Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on the Fridays with Francis podcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to be with me. Just a reminder, these podcasts are the audio versions of the video live streams that I do every week on Fridays at 8.15 Eastern on my Facebook page, Monk Musings, or my Instagram profile, Francis OSB. If you'd like, head on over to those platforms and you can see the video live stream either while I'm doing it or it also gets saved so you can watch it anytime you'd like. In the meantime, thanks for joining me on this podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and thanks for joining me. Here's the latest episode of Fridays with Francis. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. It is my pleasure to be with you this weekend. My sincere thanks to my beloved confrere, Father Jerome, for having me here this weekend. Uh, You may or may not know that Benedictines are fond of hilltops. If you see and you study monasteries around the world, you may always find them at the top of a hill. And so it's always nice to come down into the valley to be with all of you uh, here in what I have coined as the maternity ward of Benedictine monasticism in New Hampshire and indeed of all of New England. Uh, It's always important to remember that this is where we started before we moved up to our beloved hilltop. Uh, And so thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to be with you uh, for this weekend. This past December, News outlets and social media were abuzz with a story of astronomical proportions. On December 21st, for the first time in nearly 800 years, we were able to see the planetary conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the western sky. The joining of these two celestial bodies created a dazzling light in the night sky and formed what many believed to be the Star of Bethlehem that guided the Magi to Bethlehem nearly two millennia ago. 
not wanting to miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I consulted the website for NASA and other scientific organizations. I was able to figure out the right time, place, and conditions I needed to see this astronomical phenomenon. And so December 21st finally arrived. I bundled up, put on my boots, and set out into our snowy monastery field to view the star of wonder. I did not, however, check the weather. And so my plans were for naught. You see, the night of December 21st in Goffstown, New Hampshire, had the ideal atmospheric conditions to turn the entire campus of St. Anselm College into a Scottish moor. So when I looked into the western sky for the star of royal beauty bright, all I saw was fog. Fog and dark clouds, as if someone had covered my face with a blindfold. Dismayed and distraught, I found myself standing in the middle of a snow-covered field, shaking my fist and screaming into the night, thinking about how this was a perfect summary of the year 2020. <laughs> my metaphor would continue, though, when I trudged back inside and found that I could watch this planetary convergence on YouTube. <laughs> when I recounted this story on Christmas morning, the world seemed a lot darker than it is today. Yesterday, or Friday, most of the United States observed the first anniversary of the beginning of our COVID-19 lockdown. A lockdown that many told us would last two weeks has now lasted an entire year. Our very way of life interrupted and changed. It is not in dispute that this past year has been a year full of darkness. Our families and communities have been torn apart by disease, disagreement, and disrespect. Over two and a half million people have died from the current pandemic. Millions more find themselves in times of unimaginable hardship. Our cities and towns subject to unprecedented levels of violence. Weddings, funerals, ordinations, and other major life events canceled or postponed. Yes, this certainly has been a year of challenges. But brothers and sisters, as we gather on this Laetare Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, we are called to rejoice. And there are certainly reasons for rejoicing. For example, the latest statistics tell us that 10% of our American population now has a vaccine for COVID-19 that did not exist this time last year. Cases of COVID are going down. Social restrictions are beginning to ease. We may well be able to return to church normally in the next weeks and months. As is evidenced by the weather in the last few days, spring is nearly upon us. And liturgically, there are now fewer days of Lent ahead of us 
than are behind us. But our gospel this morning gives us the primary purpose or the primary reason for our joy. Our gospel this morning from St. John is perhaps the most well-known gospel in the entire world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. You see, brothers and sisters, the Father has given us a great gift, the gift of his only son, Jesus. Jesus, who was sent into the world for a single purpose, to show the love, to show us the love the Father has for his children. God became man so that man might become God. In just a few short weeks, we will commemorate the self-sacrificing love Jesus showed for all of us when he willingly sacrificed himself on the cross, when the Son of Man was lifted up so that all might believe. And then a few days after that, we will rejoice in the light that shines from his empty tomb, which shows us that he has defeated death forever. For Christ is the light that never wavers, never dims, and will never be extinguished. The light of Christ is the love of the Father. And this light shines on all of us, no matter who we are, what we look like, where we've come from, or what we've done. The light and love of Christ shines on us eternally. Now, in those moments when it doesn't feel like the light is there, we must remember this essential truth. We must remember in those moments, we are probably the ones who need to turn toward the Lord or turn back to the Lord. And indeed, that is what this entire season of Lent is all about. So in those moments, we must rededicate ourselves to the Lord and turn back toward him. We must live lives of complete trust, complete trust in the Lord, and we must live in his truth. Now you may be saying to yourself, that's impossible. How can I do that? Don't you know how difficult my life is? Yes, yes I do, but we must rejoice also We must thank God because we have examples of people who did this, who lived their lives completely in the light of Christ. We call those people the saints. And this coming week, we will celebrate the feast days of two of those saints, St. Patrick and St. Joseph. Consider St. Joseph. Now, admittedly, it was easier for St. Joseph to live in the light of Christ than the rest of us because of his proximity to the child Jesus. But recall the moments in the beginning of the Gospels. His doubt about the paternity of Mary's child, the circumstances of the birth of that child, the flight into Egypt, to escape the clutches of the evil King Herod. In all those moments, St. Joseph 
trusted in the Lord. And therefore, he was the witness of the light coming into the world. Consider St. Patrick, who was captured and enslaved by the Irish people. He escaped only later to return back to his captors to bring them the gospel. He lived a life of complete trust in the Lord. Both these men lived in the light of the Lord, which meant that the light shone through them onto others. And they now live in the eternal, unfiltered light of the Lord in heaven. May the same be true for us. Brothers and sisters, this was the message I should have remembered when I was shouting into the darkness of that cold December evening. Even though I might not be able to see it, the light is there. It always has been, and it always will be. Many lights have been extinguished this past year, but one light remains steady and constant, overcoming all darkness and shining into the hearts of all who accept it, the light of Christ.